can stand to your feet with your Bibles in your hands, and I think that's a good segue into uh, the topic for today, as we'll be looking at our, our resurrected bodies. Amen. Uh, Paul is going to show us uh, what we have to look forward to one day, bodies that don't uh, decay and don't get affected by disease. Amen. What you hold in your hand is the very word of God. It is uh, inspired by God, written by men. We want to read it together in unison with, uh, with power. I'll read it verbally. You read it with your eyes. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, our resurrected bodies. The precious, authentic, sufficient, matchless, marvelous word of God reads... But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for a star differs from star in glory. Verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, and the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. You know, I truly believe that Christianity gives the most hope in terms of comparing it to any other system or religion. When we talk about life after death, Christianity is the most hope-filled. Modern materialists would argue that once a person dies, they cease to exist. Uh, They will argue that we only live once. Ancient uh, uh, mystics believe that once a person dies, um, that at at, at death they uh, simply become a shadowy ghost and they just roam without purpose. Reincarnationists believe that that at death the soul continues on a cycle and is redressed up in another body. Plato believed that the soul simply escapes from the body at death. High order Hindus believe that bodies are an illusion and that we are part of an impersonal cosmic 
consciousness. But Christianity, we believe that when we die, that we are resurrected from our weak, lower bodies to glorious resurrected bodies that look like our Savior, Jesus's. And I believe that it's important for us to know as Christians that this hope that we have after death is a well-founded hope. And that because of this hope, because of this hope in a glorious and a resurrected, in a, in a body that does not fade or decay, that as Christians we can live our lives radically different than those who do not have this hope. Because we know that there is more to life than the present. We know that God has something more for us. And I believe that the Apostle Paul knew this. And I believe that's why he preached so hard and he lived so hard and he lived so well. Paul understood that the the resurrection of the body uh, was a reason that he could go into cities and plant churches and be beat and be stoned and be jailed and still not be defeated. Because he knew that there was more to life than this life. And I believe as a church and as the people of God, we need to have a theology of the afterlife. We need to have a a picture of the afterlife, a vision of the afterlife that will free us to live for Jesus and to risk our lives for his glory. See, some of us, when we think about the body, uh, we, we think about it in terms of just nutrition, in terms of being in shape or being out of shape. Uh, When we think about our body, we just think about the pain that we have in it. When we think about our body, we think about how it may be aging or or what we're going to put on it. But we need to start thinking about our bodies in a a way more important way. We need to think about our bodies as something, yes, that's dying, but something that one day will be resurrected and be made new. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, he's going to answer some skeptics. Some skeptics have been been talking, and he's going to give them an answer. And what they've been saying is this. They're saying, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And Paul responds to them, and he calls them, he says, you you foolish persons, right? So they they have questions, and and, and the, the idea behind this is that they're not asking these questions simply because... Uh, they, uh, because they really believe in what Paul is teaching, but they're, they're, there's this, this subtle questioning that's happening that's saying, we don't believe you. We don't believe that God can resurrect the dead. We don't believe that he can give us new bodies. So what Paul does is he points them to a seed. He says, our resurrected bodies are like a seed. Look at what he says in verse number 36. He says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So what does Paul do? He he points us to nature. He begins to appeal to us and say, listen, look at nature, look at the natural occurrence, look at a, a, a wheat grain. Look at a kernel and and notice how when it is put in the ground, though it is a small seed, when it is buried, something else happens. And when it raises, um, it it doesn't look like a, a seed anymore. He said if God is able to do that with a wheat grain, 
If God is able to take a tomato seed and if we're able to put it in the ground and with some water and with some light and with some time, a tomato seed that doesn't look like a tomato when it goes into the ground, that doesn't feel like a tomato when it goes into the ground, but when it comes up, it's glorious and it gives and provides food. If God is able to do that with a seed, isn't God able to do that with our natural bodies? The ability of a seed to overcome his burial should be reason enough for everyone to believe that human beings may be resurrected by God's supernatural power. Then he continues, but God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans and another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory for the sun and another for another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for star differs from star in glory. And it seems a little patronizing when we read this that Paul is basically saying that different types of beings have different types of bodies. An elephant has a different body than a giraffe. A giraffe has a different body than a a human. But that's exactly Paul's point. That's exactly God's point. He's saying to a skeptic who don't believe that the body can be resurrected from the dead, that a dead body without life in it, without a breath in it, without a, a beating heart can be raised. He said, listen, he said, listen, God can not only raise that body from the dead just as a seed uh, can grow into a plant or into a, a tree. He says, but, but he knows exactly what type of body to give us. He is the master outfitter. He knows exactly what each being needs to be and how they need to look. I read that there are more than 13,000 species of fern and 12,000 species of moss. 13,000 species of fern and 12,000 species of moss. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing when we look at creation and we look at the stars and we look at the moon and we look at the ocean? Isn't God amazing when we look at sea creatures and how they all look so different? God has done that. And if God can do that, do not allow someone to tell you that God cannot raise a body from the dead and give us glorious bodies that are better than our bodies now. No, the Bible says that as Christians, we walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes our own intellect, our own thought process hinder us from believing in the supernatural. But everything about life is supernatural. From life's first conception, (laughs) it's supernatural. From the fact that, that we, that the earth is spinning right now on an invisible axis is supernatural. The fact that the wind blows and we can't see it until it, or, and really the only way we know that it's there is when it, when it brushes against our face, it's supernatural. The fact that you're here now and able to have a, a cognizant thought life and be thinking clearly right now is supernatural. The fact that you woke up this morning and put one foot in front of the other is supernatural. There are so many things that is happening inside of our bodies. And it's so beautiful and it's so miraculous and God has done that. And the same God who has done that is the same God who will one day raise our bodies from the dead 
to be something more glorious than we ever can imagine. So perhaps some of you are like me. I I know for a long time, uh, when I would hear someone talk about our bodies will be resurrected, I began to think about people who um, were cremated. Like if someone's cremated, how is their body going to be raised from the dead? Or someone was burned real bad and their bones were uh, put to ash. How, how is someone going to be raised from the dead? Or people who die at sea, right? There are missionaries and Christians who traveled uh, years before by sea and who caught some disease, and the only thing that the crew could do was throw them overboard. What's going to happen to them? Their body isn't buried. What about guys like John uh, Wycliffe, who was uh, pretty much responsible for translating the Bible into English for us? Mighty man of God who went through, uh, throughout uh, countries preaching and teaching and, and was passionate for God. About 44 years after his death, uh, a group of men exhumed his body from the grave because they said he committed 260 heresies. He was preaching the Bible as it was meant to be preached, and they didn't like it. It was messing with their traditions. And what they did is they burned his body, and they threw it in a river called Swift. And his ashes were dispersed from that river out into, of course, a major ocean. What about his body? How is God going to raise his body from the dead? I'll tell you how. Supernaturally. Supernaturally. And we have to remind ourselves that we're not smarter than God. God already had that written in Revelation chapter 21, 13. He says, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. God said, Jamal, already got an answer for your question. The sea is going to give up those particles somehow supernaturally, and they, that person will be raised. Now, when we talk about resurrection from the dead, we're not saying that they're just going to receive a brand, we're just going to receive a brand new body. No, God is somehow going to use our old body and glorify it. Because in other words, it wouldn't be a resurrection. <laughs> it would just be our soul being put in another body. I can't wait to that day. But we we, we have questions. We have questions like, well, when we get to heaven, are we going to be able to know each other? I hope so. Right? (laughs) And I believe so. The disciples knew Jesus when he was raised from the dead, once he chose to reveal himself. And the same will be true. As we look at these questions, we want to know that God has already has an answer. And that God wants us to live our life not so concerned about our physical bodies, but more concerned about his mission. More concerned about what we do with our bodies, where we go with our bodies, and how we use them for his glory. Not as much what we're going to put on them. We also see in this text, one of my favorite parts starts at verse 42, as the Apostle Paul gives a comparison of our current bodies and our future bodies. And it's it's pretty amazing. Look at verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. In other words, perishable meaning that it will not last. We sow our our dead bodies um, into the ground. And upon death they are lifeless. And we are reminded by the curse of Adam what God said to them. In Genesis chapter 3, he told Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are from the dust. So our bodies are sown perishable, but they're raised imperishable. In other words, it means that they won't fall apart. Our bodies are sown in dishonor. What does he mean our bodies are sown in dishonor? 
Meaning that we have, we, we have bodies that uh, are dishonorable in that our bodies sin. We sin in our bodies. And that's dishonorable to a holy God, but they will be raised one day in a glorious way. Our bodies are sown in, in weakness, Paul says, but it's raised with, with power. These earthly bodies, they break down, they ache. They, they catch disease, but he says one day they will be raised with glory. And why would they be raised with glory? Because they will be raised through and in the power of the Holy Spirit. They'll be raised with power. They'll be raised with strength. So Paul here is comparing our natural body to our, our spiritual body. He's saying our spiritual body, our, our future body is way better than our current body. Our bodies one day will look like Jesus' body. And Jesus' body was quite amazing. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 gives us that promise. It says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself? Catch that? Just as Jesus has a glorious body, one day we will too. John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. As he is. So what does that look like? What does it look like to have a body like Jesus, and why is that important? What does that look like to have a body that doesn't decay, a body that doesn't break down? Well, it looks like three things in this text, starting at verse, uh, well, first, verse 45 through 49. We see that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's showing a contrast of those who are uh, in Adam. It says, for the first man, Adam became a living being, and the last man became a life-giving spirit, all right? Uh, so, so our physical bodies, although we are, are living beings, we are born in the likeness of Adam, we will die, uh, but Christ who, who died when he was resurrected, he was resurrected as a, life being, a life-giving being. So let's look at three things uh, about our resurrected bodies that prayerfully will give us hope to not just uh, be concerned, so concerned with today, but also to, to live in the future. Number one is this. Our resurrected bodies will be supernatural. Our resurrected bodies will be supernatural. Okay? A Jesus body was supernatural. It's a life-giving spirit. It will not fade. It, it, it will not decay. And we will have supernatural bodies. And what that looks like is what, what it looked like for Jesus. When Jesus came back from the grave, his body was amazing. He appeared and disappeared as he chose. The disciples were have, uh, gathered together in a room one day, and they were talking about uh, the death of Jesus, and Jesus just appeared. He just showed up. Some say he, he must have just walked through a wall. One day we will have a body that is not limited to the laws of nature. Jesus, right before he ascended and went into heaven, uh, the Bible says that he spoke and he gave a great commission. He told his disciples to go into the world and to preach uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and to, to baptize people and to make disciples. And then do you know what he did? He jumped up in the air like he was going for a rebound like he was LeBron James. And the Bible says that he kept going up. He kept going up. He just went higher and higher and higher, and he ascended unto the heavens. One day we will receive bodies that are supernatural, 
that can do far and above what these human bodies can do. I can just imagine God in heaven looking at the NBA finals or looking at people argue about who's the greatest dunker, uh, Michael Jordan or uh, Vince Carter, and saying, man, y'all have not seen hops yet, right? Talk about Air Jordan, Air Jesus. Read Matthew chapter 28. So where our bodies are limited to the ground and limited to gravity, one day we will just have supernatural bodies that's not limited. And we should, we should look forward to that day. But not only is our bodies supernatural, our resurrected bodies also will be spirit-dominated. To use a phrase by a guy named Hank uh, Hanegraaff, they will be spirit-dominated. As we look at this text, we, we'll, we'll should, we should understand that our, our resurrected bodies um, will, will not be flesh-dominated. They'll be spirit-dominated, meaning that uh, we won't be able to sin. We won't be able to sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we, we read Galatians 5.22 and we rejoice and we pray, Lord, help me to have evidence of your Holy Spirit. Help me to have evidence of the fact that I've been born again and to live in this way. But one day, that's just going to be natural because when we are raised from the dead, when our bodies are resurrected, the Holy Spirit is going to completely dominate us. We'll, we'll be dominated with love. We'll be dominated with joy. We'll be dominated with peace. And I can't wait to that day. A few years ago, uh, me and my wife went on vacation. We were in Destin, Florida. We were pumped up. We were ready to go. Uh, we uh, had a reservation at a resort. There was a number of resorts around, uh, and they had uh, similar names. They were, and, and, and we pulled up to the first resort that we saw. We said, this must be it. The name seems uh, to, to match what we have. I went in, and I'm waiting in line, and there's two clerks that's helping this uh, one gentleman who uh, didn't look like me, and they are just giving him first-class service. They are taking good care of him, um, telling him where his room was, telling him where all the amenities are, uh, calling him sir, uh, both of them, giving him top-notch treatment. And after he uh, gets taken care of, he leaves, and then I'm standing there, and I'm waiting to get service, and I'm just waiting, and I'm just waiting. And for about two and a half minutes, they just talked to each other about what they did last night and completely ignored me. And then finally, when I stepped up, one of the ladies' first words for me is, uh, you, we think you're at the wrong place. Now, granted, I was. I did pull up to the wrong resort. <laughs> but the fact of the matter was, was that I was discriminated against. I was treated poorly. Um, they, they, they were very rude. Well, I can't wait to the day in heaven where that will no longer be the case. Where there will be a people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, and we will completely be dominated by the Holy Spirit. And we won't size each other up and, and look to see what each other has on. We won't be concerned about how, what part of heaven we live in. And when I fly to your part of heaven and you fly to my part of heaven, there won't be any beef. We won't be focusing on, on small, childish things. But by the grace of God, we will be made to be like Jesus. We won't be arguing over stuff that don't matter. We should look forward to it. We should look forward to supernatural bodies, and we should look forward to spirit-dominated bodies. But third, we should look forward to bodies that are sin-free, sorrow-free, and suffering-free. Not just sin-free, but sorrow-free 
and suffering free. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I look forward to that. I look forward to having, having bodies that no longer are ailed with, with different diseases and that no longer will break down and decay, decay, all because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. All because he lived his life so that we may have life and he died a death that we deserve so that we would be made new. I look forward to being made in the likeness of Jesus. i never forget, it was... Uh, Four years ago, almost five years ago, I'm excited. I'm a new dad. I'm driving home uh, to see my daughter. Nia has been born. She's been in the world for about three months, three weeks, and uh, maybe a little longer. It was probably about four weeks. The week before was a three-week checkup, and I'm excited, rushing home to see her. And right when I get to the light, before I need to turn to to go into uh, where we were living, I got a phone call. And there was a nurse, and she quickly says, she says, your daughter Nia has sickle cell. And I said, I'm sorry, you, I think you have the wrong person. Uh, for me, neither me or my wife have the sickle cell trait. And she said, this is Jamal Williams? I said, yes. Social Security? No, I said, yes. She said, well, your daughter Nia has been tested, and she has sickle cell. I said, well, does she have the sickle cell trait? Or did, and they said, no, she has full-blown sickle cell. And I remember sitting there at the light, just being stunned, thinking to myself, how am I about to tell my wife that my daughter has sickle cell? And I remember tears filling my eyes and just being overwhelmed, going in the house and, and having to break the news to her. Well, part of the reason, <laughs> the main reason that we spend so much time with our kids sharing the gospel uh, just about every night, pouring into them, telling them about Jesus, trying to tie everything into Jesus. It's because we, we want our children to know Jesus so that they can have the pardon of their sins and they can be forgiven and they can see his beautiful face one day. But a, a small part of my motivation is, is knowing that one day if my daughter accepts Jesus as Savior, that she will be able to live for all eternity without having blood cells that sickle. That she will not have to stay up late at night some nights having birth pains in certain parts of her body because her blood has sickled or because she got a fever or because she caught something else. And by God's grace, her uh, sickle cell hasn't been um, as, as, as strong as it, uh, as it could be, and the Lord has healed her in many ways. But I look forward to the day uh, where she accepts Jesus Lord and where we in heaven can rejoice uh, that she is no longer dominated by flesh and blood, but dominated by the Spirit. And many of you here today, we need to look forward to that day where, where arthritis can no longer get to us, <laughs> where, where cancer can no longer dominate us, where, where lupus is no longer a, a loophole to steal our joy. We should look forward to the day where our physical illnesses, as well as our mental illnesses, where we don't need to, to have medicines to, to help us to have the correct chemical imbalance, to, to be able to have peace of mind. 
And as Christians, we have a hope that the world does not have because this body that one has right now, if they do not know Jesus, is the only, is really the best body that they're going to know. If one dies in the pardon of their sins without the hope of salvation, the Bible says that when they are resurrected, that they will be resurrected not to eternal life, but to eternal death and damnation where there is gnashing of teeth and fires that do not give way. Accept Jesus as your Savior because he offers you forgiveness, number one. But accept Jesus as Savior because he offers you a life that you and I don't deserve by grace. Can you imagine heaven? A place where there's there's no more balding, where there's no more bulging bellies. Can't wait to get to heaven and not worry about whether or not my belly is crossing my belt. Where there's no more allergies, where there's no more diabetes, where there's no more Alzheimer's. When we cross that golden shore, and where we can have peace without these physical things. And I just want to encourage you, who's a caregiver, and, and you spend so much time with, maybe it's a child, or maybe it's a parent, or maybe it's a, a close friend. Um, and, and they can't take care of themselves. I, I want you to know, dear Christian, that the Lord sees your sacrifice, that the Lord honors your pain, that he sits with you as you make sacrifice after sacrifice to care for another person. And as you care for that person, if they have mental uh, capabilities to, to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel, I want to encourage you to do so. And I want to encourage you to tell them that Jesus will forgive them of all their sins. But, but not only that, that one day Jesus will give them a resurrected body. Where they no longer will have to be cared for by someone else. I look forward to that day. I look forward to seeing what Jesus will do. The Bible says that he, he will, not he might. He will wipe away every tear. Sister Pauletta, he will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things are passed away. I want to encourage you today to put your faith and trust in Christ, not make your life as Matthew chapter 6 says, to not make your life about what you will eat, what you will drink, or what you will wear. For today has enough troubles of its own. (laughs) To not be anxious for anything. I I, I do. I want to encourage you today to not put so much stock into the way you look physically. Uh, Paul says physical exercise, yes, it it does some good. (laughs) Being in shape physically, it, it does do good. But more so, and more importantly, is is our physical shape. Is living in devotion to Jesus. It's living on mission for Jesus. That's what we should put up most of our stock in. Let's pray. Father, I pray.